welcome to Ana Conversations with Myanmar. If you'd like to add your voice to the conversation here at Ana, please reach out to us through any of our social media platforms or you can email us directly. This conversation features Susanna Lalaso, Myanmar's National Unity Government's Minister for Women, Youth and Children. A former student activist during the 1988 uprising, she has dedicated much of her career to advocating for the rights of women and children in Myanmar. She was elected minister for Karin Ethnic Affairs of Yangon in the 2020 general election, but was unable to assume her seat due to the coup in February 2021. She previously served as a member of parliament in Myanmar from 2015 to 2020. Susanna has publicly apologized to ethnic minorities, including the Rohingya community, for her failure to speak out on their behalf and for ignoring their suffering during her five years as a member of the civilian-led government. Following the coup, she was forced to flee to the ethnic states when the military raided her home in Yangon. Here, Susanna talks about her terrifying ordeal in evading military arrest, her decision to remain in Myanmar despite the risk to her life, the challenges she faces in carrying out her work in hiding, and her determination to serve her people, whatever the cost. Let's start the conversation. Susanna, you are the Minister of Women and Children for the new National Unity Government in Myanmar, and we're really grateful for you to come and talk to us on Anna podcast today. So um, would you mind just maybe introducing yourself a little bit for anyone who's listening who maybe does not know who you are? I know many people will know you. You are very well known in Myanmar, but uh, if you could give us a brief overview of maybe your life and career. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much to invite me to Anna Brokers. And I have this kind opportunity to tell about myself and my country. So I'm Susanna Lalasso. I'm currently served as a Minister of Women, Youth and Children Affairs Ministry of NUG. I raised in Myanmar. I grew up in Myanmar and I was a student activist since 1988. It is well known of 88 uh, uprising. So at the time, I was a student and I also participated in the uprising. So since then, I interested in politics. But at the time, we don't have much space. So after I work as a school teacher and, and uh, working at the NGO, and finally, I stood up myself and start a women activist group. And I become the activist and women rights movement leaders. So 2015 election, I ran the candidate and I become the member of parliament. I serve as a representative in parliament, union parliament from 2016 to 2020. And at the time, I also serve as a so many committees. So Secretary of Women and Child Rights Committee in Lodo, in Parliament. And I also a member of Public Accounts Committee. And I also serve as a like, capacity building program committee for the member of Parliament. So I serve a lot of committees there. In 2020 election, I run for the current Ethnic Affairs Minister. So I won landslide, 80% cast. But uh, as we all know, I don't have a chance to take up the position because of the coup. So when the coup came, all the politicians and activists 
student leaders were under threat. So many people got arrested, tortured, and killed. But I have an opportunity to escape from my place, and I ran to the border area and stay in the ethnic liberated area. So now I serve as a minister of NUG as well as I also helping the community like villages development. I help in teaching and also hospital building and caring for the like child food development programs. So I serve the community in the grassroots level. So this is my short bio. Thanks for that, Susanna. And it's great to get that overview. I'm just interested in when you talk about the coup happening. And as you say, so many politicians detained, killed, tortured, and you were one of the fortunate ones who managed to flee. At what point did it become apparent to you that you needed to to leave your home, that it wasn't safe? Did you go immediately when the coup happened or did you initially wait? When was the moment you decided to leave? Yes, since the coup, I could not stay at my home. So I have to hide in my friend's apartment. But in the day, we joined the tribe movement. And in the night, we are hiding at the friend's places. But one day, the SAC find out where I was. So they broke my door and entered into my apartment. So I have to flee from my place. So I ran to the top of the building. I stay in third floor, but I hiding in the seventh floor. So they are trying to find me and they follow me. But fortunately, they could not find my place because I quietly hiding in the roof of the building. But they bring all of my properties and all the computers and they destroy everything, my document. So I run from that place without anything. Even I don't have shoes. I run with my bare foot with one cloth, and my friends try to rescue me and send me to the border. So the experience is too horrifying. And maybe the other political edifice will face this kind of hard situation too. So you've just described how you achieved that amazing success in terms of politics and Karen ethnic group. What is it about the NUG that's made you continue to pursue politics despite the dangers? Why the NUG? When I arrived the border area, I tried to contact the political text leader. We tried to encourage each other. And also, actually, we don't know what to do next. But uh, most of the elected member of parliament are in the border area. And then the people are not back up. They just going and then they continue the peaceful demonstration. And the people ask for form the government because they encourage us and also send us the message, you are elected minister, you are elected member of parliament, you have the power, you have the legitimate, so be our government. We don't want to be under the military. We don't be under elected government. So we start to organize ourselves and form the NUG. And they do have a nomination committee. They offer me the post. And I'm happy because in our Myanmar history, there is no uh, Minister of uh, Women Affairs. So this time, the leadership, they are thinking to reach out the minority like women, youth and children, a special group. So I'm really happy and proud to be a minister. 
Just even hearing your story, oh my goodness, Susanna, my heart is in my stomach, you know, listening to you having to hide like that. It's like, I can't imagine. I just, that, that's horrible, but so fortunate that you made it out. I guess, Susanna, given your position and you have studied abroad uh, for a period of time and you've always come back to Myanmar, you want to be there. Did you consider leaving the country? I mean, I'm sure you could have gotten further than the liberated areas and went abroad. Why did you decide to stay in the country despite the huge risk to your life? Actually, this is the spirit of our parents, you know. Whenever we have a chance to study abroad, our parents are, they love the country a lot. They are current ethnic and then they said, this is our country. This is our place. Whatever the oppression, we don't leave the country. So you are going abroad for the study or get the education part, come back and serve the people. That's why, like my husband, he spent like seven, eight years in the U.S., but come back and serve the people in Myanmar. And me too. And my brothers also, they have a chance to stay abroad, but they come back and stay at home. But unfortunately, now because of the coup, because of my take up the position, none of my family are stay in our community. They have to flee to the hiding place. But we believe that one day we can go back and we will stay together as a family and staying together with the people of Myanmar. How, Susanna, do you do your job right now? How is that even possible? Because you're in hiding. I assume things like internet are not as reliable maybe as when you're in the city. And there is always the risk that the military might find you. Or, I mean, where we're seeing airstrikes, we're seeing everything happening at the moment. How do you function day to day? Or how do you persevere? How do you get work done? Yeah, actually, this is a very good question. When uh, I run into the current area, we do not have internet access everywhere. So one time I'm hiding in the certain place, there is no internet. I stay there for three to four months, you know. So I cut the connection. I was cut uh, the connection with my team and with my ministry. So they all are worried for me. So I have to move to another place for the internet. But uh, time to time, I visit to the front line and see the refugees and meeting with the IDP women and make sure they got the assistant. So I, I travel time to time to the needy people. I have very good team. They are very efficient. They supported me. And then we thanks to like the high tech. We have like Zoom. Whenever I have to travel, I make plan because uh, we have a one-year plan and then all my staff, they are working by themselves. And in my department, there are 580 CDMR who are working with us. So they are in the each township and then they are helping in implementation. So we can do a lot for the people. So when I arrived to the ethnic area in March, the village was attacked by the airstrike. So I have to run with the villagers. I stay and hiding in the jungle for one week. So it's cut all the communication. And last December, last month, I visit to like frontline. And then I also face with the airstrike. After I visit, the next week, uh, the airstrike came. So the house that I stay and then the hospital that I visit there, totally destroyed by the airstrike. So the SAC is targeting schools, hospitals, 
and villages, uh, civilians, places, property. So they violate crime against humanity. We spoke to somebody recently who has been working since the 90s in ethnic areas of Myanmar. And this person said they haven't seen strikes like this in Myanmar's history on civilian villages. Is this unprecedented, like what we're seeing at the moment, these airstrikes? Is this a sign of uh, the fear of the military? Yeah, I, I can see that the uh, SAC using airstrike intensively, especially in the border area and also middle of Myanmar, like Zagai and Mugui Division. They use a lot of airstrike. Because I think they don't have the troops, uh, the soldiers enough to attack, so they use the airstrikes. So I would like to ask the international community to stop selling the fuel to the SAC because the fuel is not using for the public transportation. They use for the airstrike to kill the people. So I would like to ask the, the country who support SAC to stop your provision. Why to SAC? We can see, Susanna, that there's no place for the military in Myanmar's future. It, it seems the people have made their feelings loud and clear right across the country that the military in its current state has no place in Myanmar. Where does that leave the military? It's, it's a huge institution. It's, it's ingrained in every aspect of Myanmar. Is there a future of this military? Can it be reformed or is there no hope? It has to go completely. Actually, as a country, the military should help. Military should protect the people, uh, not to kill. But the military is not uh, entitled to be called uh, military. They become terrorists. Since uh, I was in the, the parliament, we are trying to have uh, like the law to reform the military. But it was rejected by the military representative. As you know, according to last constitution, uh, we have 25% of military representatives in the parliament, so they reject. So we could not pass the proposal. So the reform, we need reform. You know, the system needs to be changed. Not all the soldiers, they would like to kill the people. But the leadership, the leadership is a problem. You know, there are so many CDM, like thousands of thousands of CDM soldiers. They are with the ethnic area. Some of them, they have an ethic to protect the people. So we need to reform and we need to get rid of the one who are not with the people. Yes. Like Susanna, you've been involved in politics for a long time in Myanmar. And obviously, there's a lot of criticism, you know, of the previous government's failures in many instances, particularly the Rohingya genocide. And, you know, people will say that there's still a lot of people within the NUG who are belong to that old mindset, you know, um, where there is not an inclusive federal democracy for everyone. But you were one of the ministers who, at the very start of this, you stood out and you, you made a public apology to the ethnic people and the Rohingya community for not speaking out in the past. What motivated you to do that? Yeah, because um, I believe in humanity. I believe in humanity. I believe in human rights. All the people were created by God and we have the equal opportunity to live and to enjoy the life. So Rohingya, they are human and they also the citizens of Myanmar. So they should have a chance. They have a right, equal rights with others like us. They can be educated. They can be leaders. They can be like excellent people. 
for the country. So yes, we have failed policy. We had failed government. Time to time, the government they failed to take up with brief. But this time, enough is enough because you know the people knows now. We should not be divided with our belief or our ethnicity. We are the citizen of Myanmar. We have the equal right. I believe in it. So to erase this nationalist in the country, we need to work very unitedly, and we also need good policy and law to protect the minority. And we also need the international monitoring system. And then we should go ahead, not stuck with the hatred, because uh, in the history. As I'm a Korean ethnic in history, Korean and Burma, they kill each other and hate each other. But we could not start in the history. We should go ahead. But we need clear vision: what we would like to be, and what we would like to have a new country with which provision. So this is uh, what I would like. All the citizens of Myanmar should have the clear vision. I think it's very important because I think a lot of people that I know in Myanmar admire you and look up to you, and I think it took a lot of courage to to say that you were wrong in the past or that you could have done more, should have done more. And I think that's a sign of a good leader and the kind of leaders that the country needs. Those who are going to speak out and admit when things are wrong, but it's very hard to do that, especially when we see the way that social media, Facebook, things that help divide the country and the military. You know, they get power from that division and, and sowing those seeds of doubt in the communities. So I think it's really important what you're doing, and the way you continue to speak up for everybody. And I know it means a lot to a lot of people. You're also a big advocate of women's rights, and you have been speaking of women's rights in Myanmar long before anybody else. You're one of the first. So do you think that there's a shift this time? Because not only are people, women, speaking out, but they're also demanding, you know, a place in leadership in politics. And I know you have a young deputy in your department as well, a young female deputy. So is this a, is this a shift and a change? Are we going to see more opportunities for women under this national unity government in Myanmar? I would like to say that this spring revolution is not only to involve the military leaders. This is the time to change our perspective and long-time cultural influence to our community. So I can see many young generation are very active, and then they can revolve the gender provision and also the ethnic barriers. They destroy all the barriers in the community. So I think this is good. That's why I really hope and I believe that we'll have a better future. After this spring revolution, we need this kind of revolution because not only we change the leader, we also need to change the culture. So the wave is very big, you know. The Gen Z they are very brave to take up what they want. I really amazed that their creative campaign like Sarong. As you stay in Myanmar, you know the Sarong, right? Uh, Sarong is very taboo for the men, but I can see the young generation. They wrap the sarong on their head, and then they use the menstruation pad in the strike. So I think this is the very big change in our country. So I wish this trend, this movement, will lead our country to the new society. Just absolutely inspiring, amazing person. 
And I was just wanted to ask, what can the international community do to help? Is it put pressure on our governments to stop selling the fuel? And um, in terms of the Myanmar diaspora, what do you think they should be doing to help? How can we help you guys? The first is we need the international recognition uh, because um, the legitimacy, people give us legitimacy. You know, they said you are elected MP, you are elected minister, so you form the government. So in country, we have 100% support from our people. But I don't see encouragement from the international. They should be bold. They should decide clearly. Because SAC is like, they are just terrorists. They kill the people every day. They kill the young people. They rape the girls and burning alive the people. So they, they are no more military. They are terrorist groups. So to recognize the NUG is the duty of the international community, NUN, to stand fast for the, and hear the voice of Myanmar people and to stop, as I told before our talk, to stop the, the money run into the SAC because, you know, all the weapons that they buy are to kill the Myanmar people, you know, and then they use a lot of airstrike for the civilians. So these uh, bloody income should stop and international pressure and all means of action to take. I mean, all means, including the military intervention because the Myanmar group, they don't care. They don't care the pressure. They only care for the military intervention. So I hope that the world leaders to hear our voice before it's too late. You should intervene and help the people of Myanmar. We have a lot of hope and we have a lot of a brighter future for our country. And uh, now the WFP, they predict that 80% of Myanmar people will be starving in coming years because of the economic, there is no crops, there is no food. So before become the field state, please, please help us and hear our advice. Thank you. Um, Susanna, when you talk about just when you're even listing the evil of this military and the things that they carry out, you've been working in politics with these people. Did you know them closely? Are you surprised by the level of violence that they're inflicting on the people now? Does that shock you as some of these military generals were in the government alongside many of you. Is this really shocking for you or not surprising? Actually, it is shocking for me because I spent five years in the parliament and then we also have the military representative in the parliament. So yeah, they were nice and they collaborate with us like civilian member of parliament, they collaborate. But one thing, they are very order-oriented people. They listen to the orders top down, and brainwash. But this time, i really shocked. There is no reason to kill and to burn the people alive. Do you think, Susanna, when you were hiding in your friend's apartment and they were searching for you, if they had found you, do you think they would have killed you? Yeah. Many, many of my friends were killed. You know, one of the manager, my campaign manager, he was the school teacher. Uh, vocational school teacher. They arrest my manager at night and the next morning, they ask the family to see the body. So all the face are cut and also the body is really, really shocked. So uh, they use a lot of inhumane activities to that man, I think. 
it's very worrisome. And I think, yeah, I will be killed if I got arrested. And what do they fear in you guys so much? I mean, you know, like the, the way they're killing everyone, what are they so afraid of? You know, I mean, like even if whatever about arresting and in prison, which is totally wrong too, but this, this determination to kill everybody, everyone who they deem as a threat to them, anyone who is intelligent, anyone who is smart, they just seem to want to extinguish them. Do you, do you have any insights into, into that way of thinking and, and why that is their agenda? And they're afraid of their security. They're afraid of ICT, ICT, and also ICC. They don't want to cut through that. They think if the smart people are holding the power, the smart people will arrange and send them to the ICG. So they're afraid that. And the second is their web. They are very rich, you know. We could not imagine how much they're rich. They don't want to lose anything. So they use the military as their weapons to protect their wealth and kill the people and power. Yeah, they need the power to protect their security and their properties. Yeah. I listened to you speak recently. You were speaking to Norway, who are currently the pen holders in the United Nations Security Council. And one of the things you said was that the the national uprising we're seeing at the moment is organic and, and born from a genuine desire of the people from all walks of life that want rid of this military and they want change in the country. Is this unprecedented for you in all of your years working in Myanmar, the genuine like collective voice of the people coming together in unity? Is this something you've never seen before? Yes. And I got through the 88 uprising. Like 88 uprising, it's long for only, you know, months and finished. And the people, they don't want the one party ownership. They want the multi-party. But this time, this time, the people, they have more vision, wider vision. Like they mentioned clearly that the future country that they want, federal democracy, and ending the military leadership in the politics. So their vision is very clear. This is organic and the people are very clear about their future. In terms of the people still in the country, so many people and many people we know are, are fighting for their lives. They are unwilling to back down. They have joined resistance movements and these are very educated people from all walks of life. Obviously, it's almost a year. It will be a year and two days. So would you have a message for people who have given up everything, who have lost so much and maybe find themselves becoming frustrated with the NUG because of maybe lack of resources, lack of change. I mean, this is a long process and it can be hard, you know, to see that. And obviously you guys are trying to stay alive, trying to help run the country and, and you're fighting for international recognition. And then you have to be careful in what you do reveal to the public because you can't reveal too much, obviously, as well for safety and security. So is there any message you could give to people who maybe are doubting the NUG or maybe losing hope? What would you like to say to anyone who's feeling that way? Yeah, uh, now more and more, the courage of Myanmar people more and more obvious, and then the world knows. But we need to stand fast on our belief. I heard so many people are frustrated and they are discouraged and so and so. This is the normal. Sometimes we also frustrated, 
But we have to have clear goal, clear vision. What country we would like to have in the future? This is like one year or two years or some years that we have to sacrifice for our generation. So for me, I don't care. I don't care for me because I live in the whole life in the struggle. But I really need the true democracy for our generation, our future generation. I like to have a peaceful country. I like the harmony community for our country. So we are trying it. So please stay united and stay in hope because we believe that the people will win in the end. But we need more clear vision and more united action. In terms then, Susanna, of the political future for Myanmar, will we see a federal democracy? Will we see a coming together or a splitting of the people? You know, um, because when we hear people talk about ethnic uh, areas and owning their own areas, is that only sowing further division? Is everyone to be together as one, which seems like a, a huge mountain to, to try to climb at the moment. But what would your hope be for the future of your country? I think most of the ethnic group, they are agree on the federal principle. You know, federal is self-determination. They need freedom and self-determination. The one that they don't like is unitary and also dictatorship. So when the spring revolution finished, all the people, if they have their own rights and democracy and self-determination, we are very clear that coming together is very best option for all of us. Absolutely amazing listening to you, Susanna. Such a powerful speaker and so strong. Is there anything else that you'd like to highlight or mention or message that you'd like to get out that you've not already mentioned? Yeah, day to day. I'm really sorry for the highlights of the news, the SAC killing the young people, SAC using the airstrike to the people and rape the women, and uh, they even use a gun rape to the women. So enough is enough. We are under that threat for more than 70 years. We don't want to be under threat anymore. So we would like to raise issue in the wall stage because um, many people said the Myanmar issue is not in the uh, world stage anymore because there's are more and more issues are come up but no we are suffer a lot you know the military that like the human rights is not like 21st century human they are like barbarians I really shocked so please don't shut your mouth and Please don't close your eyes. Otherwise, you will be very repent because at the time you don't speak up for the Myanmar people and the Myanmar people uh, go through this very inhumane situation. So please, please uh, listen to our advice and be advice for us. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to RNR Podcast. You can follow us on all major social media platforms. It's at RNR Podcast, spelled A H N A H. Please like, follow, and subscribe. Myanmar remains in our hearts and thoughts. We have not forgotten you. Let's keep the conversation going.